What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. And today, I have an interview with a writer from Air that even if you haven't seen the movie yet, I think you will be inspired by his story. And his passion for writing makes me feel like Hollywood is in good hands with the next generation of writers. In the movie review, it's finally time to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie. And in the trailer park, we're diving into Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and all my theories going into that movie. Welcome if you are new here. I hope you subscribe and stick around. And now, let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. About to get into my interview with Alex Convery. He is 30 years old and Air is his first produced screenplay ever. He wrote it as a spec script after he watched The Last Dance on Netflix back in 2020. And what a spec script is, it is when a screenwriter writes a script to a movie in hopes that it will be purchased by a producer, a production company, or a studio. Kind of along the same lines as a songwriter would just write a song, hoping that someday a big artist would find it, like it, and want to record it. So Alex's story is very unusual that the spec script he just wrote ended up getting made into a movie and has had so much success. And even if you haven't seen the movie Air, which is all about the creation of the Air Jordan shoe, I think you will enjoy this interview and be inspired by his passion for writing, his love of movies, and wanting to create things that he himself will want to sit down and watch. So let's get into this interview now with Alex Convery. What has the last month been like in your life? The last month uh, has been a lot of press screenings, premieres, interviews. You know, I'm like an introverted writer at heart. So uh, (laughs) this has been like, you got to come out of your shell a little bit and have a bunch of small talk and answer a bunch of questions, which uh, has been good. You know, it's a good exercise, but uh, we're winding down a bit. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, just be back at at my desk writing. (laughs) 
<laughs> I find that I kind of identify with you in that way. Like outside of this, I'm a pretty quiet and reserved person. For my main job, I am a writer, but I have such a passion yeah. for movies and talking about movies. This is kind of how I've had to get out of my shell, being more extroverted. Yeah. For you, your entire life, you've just been writing things and now everybody yeah. wants to talk to you. They're all inspired by your story. So what was that like initially of like, oh man, now I got to speak to people. People want to know my story. You know, it's interesting, like the life of a, a working screenwriter, like a lot of the time is spent not writing. You do meetings, right? Obviously, but you also are putting together pitches and whether it's you're pitching an original project or you're pitching on like a studio's IP, there is an element of it where, you know, there's a bit of performance, you know, which is, which is really kind of antithetical to what a screenwriter should be. You know, like it's what you're saying. We're like <laughs> the, the, the nerds who, um, you know, like being alone with, 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 uh, you know, just with final draft. So it's interesting, man. I don't know. It's, it's, there's a lot to the job more than, than, than just writing, you know, interior, uh, uh, Nike 1984, you know, it's like, there's all this other stuff that comes with it. When it comes to your creative process, and we were just talking about how much of your creativity is sparked by just being bored. Because I find that sometimes when I'm so busy doing so many things, it's hard for me to sit down like, all right, now's your time to be creative. Well, I look for characters first and foremost, you know, characters that are that are interesting, that have like a clear journey to go on that I think would be fun to write that uh, I'm excited to write, you know. It's so hard to write, you know, truly like the easiest thing in the world is just not to write. There's so many other things you could be doing and and things that can occupy your time. Like you really have to, at least for me, feel passionate about something to like actually get in final draft and, and get going on it. So I look for characters that spark, you know, and, and you know, for air, it, it, it was sunny, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it wasn't even so much the shoe or, or, or the world. It, it was just Sonny was such a fascinating character. And, and to me, this is such an interesting way into his story. And he was such a fun character to write, you know, that that because of who he is in real life and the life he's lived and the places he's been. So I chase characters, you know, and I try to find stuff that that I'm excited to write about, which sounds like obvious, right? Well, obviously, yeah. you want to write about something you're excited about. But like, it's easy to lose that passion very quickly, right? You have to do rewrites a million times or especially where I was as like an unproduced screenwriter, you're chasing jobs, you know? So it's like sometimes you can talk yourself into being passionate passionate about it but like really deep down it's like <laughs> it wasn't there and and the script and and the movie really has been a lesson for me in in chasing those projects that like deep in your core are exciting you know and like you want to be at the desk working you know because so so you know usually it's the, it's the exact opposite feeling it's like oh gosh i guess i have to do some pages today right mm-hmm. but when you can find something that's like man i can't wait to get back into the script and and, and get back to working like that's a that for me is is can be a rare feeling. So it was um this one was a lesson and like chase that because this was a script that especially written on spec, you know, they would tell you not to do, right? I mean, it's about real people and mm-hmm. there are rights issues and all of that. And like the odds of it getting made are just so, so low. But for me, it was it was the passion that that really kept me going because it was like, man, I just I love these characters. I love writing in this world. And and um, it was a real lesson, you know, like going forward. That's really the type that like, that's really the only type of stuff I want to be working on. Right. And it, that's easier said than done. But, you know, it was kind of chasing that gut feeling that that, you know, got 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 the movie to to, to where it is now. I love hearing you talk about your passion, because when I watched Air, a lot of what drove me to the story of Sonny is how passionate he was about basketball, how passionate he was 
about pursuing Michael Jordan, how he just felt it in his soul. Like, I know this guy is going to be the guy. So what else are you just that passionate about, like Sonny? Well, you just look back to my past scripts and it's like, you know, you don't have to dry, like the line isn't too far from like stuff I love to, to, to what I write about, you know, the script I wrote before air was um, called Excelsior and it was a biopic about, you know, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and kind of those early origins of Marvel comics. And that was because I grew up as a huge comic book kid, you know, but I love the people behind the thing, you know, and like finding those type of stories. And obviously, you know, we don't have to go into the whole history of Marvel, but it was a very <laughs> unlikely story to to get uh, from, you know, two guys working in a janitor closet at a magazine company in 1962 to, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming out in a couple of weeks, you know, and that's just like what an incredible journey that 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 Marvel has has gone on. I just thought, gosh, it would, it would be cool to tell kind of the beginning of that. Before that, it was a script about college football, right? And kind of like the underbelly of, of college football. And that simply came from me being a massive college football fan, right? So it's <laughs> like, you hear a lot in, in film school, um, they, they tell you, write what you know, you know, which can be taken very literally, right? You could write a movie about your childhood or growing up. I mean, and there's many examples of that from Moonlight to Dazed and Confused to Lady Bird. You know, those are all very personal stories that feel like, you know, they're um, almost like someone's guts being uh, spilled on the on, on the screen, not in a gory way, but in like a, a passion way. For me, I didn't really have that story, right? I grew up in the <laughs> suburbs of Chicago, basically in a John Hughes movie, right? Which was very nice and pleasant and and, and, and all of that. But um, I certainly didn't have some, um, you know, a movie out of it. Maybe one day I'll, 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 I'll find, you know, that idea, but I didn't have it. So it was like, okay, so what do, when I, when you say, right, what you know, what do I know? Well, I know about Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls, right? I know about Marvel Comics and, <laughs> and Stan Lee. And, you know, I know about college football. So it was like, you know, it was it was kind of looking at the stuff that left to my own devices. I'm going to geek out over anyway. And it's like, is there a movie in there? Is there a script in there? Is there a character in there that, that you know, you can kind of latch on to and, 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 and go from there? I'm fascinated with the writing process and how this movie started out. You've been talking about, you know, watching The Last Dance. You see that... Mm-hmm part in the documentary where they briefly mentioned the Michael Jordan Nike connection. How do you sit down after you're inspired by that, after you Google it and see that, you know, there hasn't been a movie made about it. How do you sit down and write that script? Well, you start with fade in on page (laughs) one. Uh, No, I'm kidding. It, it, it goes back to what we're talking about, which is finding the character, right? Because this is a movie that obviously you could tell from a a lot of different points of view, right? It could be an actual Michael Jordan biopic, right? It could be about Phil Knight. It could be about David Falk, Jordan's agent. It could be about Peter Moore, who actually designed the sneaker, you know? So it's, Mm -hmm. it it becomes a question of, okay, what angle is, is, uh, you know, kind of most interesting and most compelling on this. Now, because I was doing it as a spec script, I knew right away, like, I'm not going to do the Michael Jordan biopic, right? That's just foolish. And if it, like, this is already unlikely enough to get made that actually trying to do the Michael Jordan biopic on spec, that's just like, there's no chance. And by the way, Jordan should be the one to tell that story, right? And maybe there will come a, a time and day when he wants to do that and is prepared to do that. And I think every studio in Hollywood would line up <laughs> and back up the Brinks truck to, to, to do that story. So it's okay, what are the different angles on it? And it gets back to what we're talking about. To me, Sonny, what was most compelling because, you know, you go through all the research and at the end of the day, and there's a lot of, you know, varying accounts and people wanting to take credit for different things. But at the end of the day, all the accounts land in the same place that there was only one guy who said, I have this feeling in my gut that Michael Jordan is the guy we should go all in on. 
And that's just what an interesting epiphany, you know, like in terms of its ripple on history. I mean, it is, it, it, it's hard to fathom, you know, if Sonny had had that feeling about any other player in that draft, you know, not to be hyper, hyperbolic about it, but the world is different. You know, yeah. we have Air Stockton or or, or Air Bowie instead <laughs> of Air Jordan. So it, it is, it was, gosh, what drives someone to have that sort of conviction and determination and feeling. And that's all stuff I just found, you know, universal in a way too, right? In a way that, you know, obviously this is a movie about basketball and Nike and, 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 you know, kind of like the nitty gritty of how that process works. But I just figured, man, anyone sitting in that audience has probably been where Sonny was at some point, right? Like employee number 500 at a company where no one's really listening to you, but you have this feeling and it's like everyone has had a feeling or a dream or a gut instinct at some point in life. And, um, you know, wanted to chase it. So for me, it was like, that. that's a really accessible place to tell the story from. Now, the way to reach a universal feeling like that is through specificity, right? Which is where like the nitty gritty <laughs> of the draft process comes from. But no, I mean, really, and this was a spec script, right? So it was like, I just wrote it all on my own and I really just wrote it in order. Like, this isn't one that I outlined or did a treatment to for, or like got notes on in advance. I just, one, it's a true story, right? So like the outline is kind of already done for you um, because it's, it's you know, it's history. So it was really, it was kind of a nights and weekends project, right? I had other stuff that that was paying me to write at the time. And that's obviously stuff I was focused on, focusing on like during the day. But this was like, you know, nights and weekends. I mean, I really wrote most of the script from between the hours of like 10 p.m. and like 2 a.m., you know, like after my wife had gone to bed, it was just me alone and like <laughs> with my headphones and I would just go back and like, you know, work on a scene or two. And I really just wrote it in order. Uh, and, and it was an interesting process because sometimes I would, most of the time I would just start right at the beginning, you know, and I would read through the script as if I was just like back in my intern days, reading some random script by some random guy named Alex Convery. And I would say like, what would I think of this script? You know, like really trying to remove myself from the process. And I would just keep going until something bumped and then I would work on that and then keep going. And if something bumped, I, 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 I would do it again. So it was like, it's a very unique process and not necessarily one I would recommend because it's hard to replicate this, obviously being a true story in a very like short period of time, like kind of gave me the, the frame, the framework was already inherent in the story in a way that isn't there for like most ideas. Um, so I don't know if I could ever replicate this exact process again. Um, Certainly wasn't the fastest uh, process in the world either. I mean, it took me a year to write, which is, you know, a long time for the for, for first draft of a, you know, 100-page screenplay. But, um, you know, it's what worked for me on this one. You know, a lot of this movie, a lot of the conversations take place over the phone. And yeah. it, I, I grew up in the 90s, but this movie made me nostalgic for the 80s, just so the fact that I could slam a telephone. What has been the most important phone call that you've ever received in your life? There are a couple, you know, like, I mean, dating all the way back to like getting the first call from, you know, the guys that would end up being my agents saying like, we read your script Bagman and are interested in meeting with you for representation. It was like, oh my gosh, you know, that's the call that like, you know, in a lot of ways I've been dreaming of since moving up here for film school. Now, I, at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I've made it. But it's like, nope, like, <laughs> there's still so much work that has to go into it, you know? You know, I was getting the call on this one that, that you know, Ben was interested and I was going to meet with him. That was an important one. I mean, the call after Ben had met with Jordan, basically saying like, Jordan has given his blessing with a few, you know, as long as we can accomplish these notes and we're good to go. I mean, that was, that was huge. And then, I mean, finally, really the call from the producer saying like, you know, a a Amazon is, is going to 
finance the movie that that's like again like in terms of calls you dream dream of like that's that's kind of the list on a spec script you know like those are all the ones you need to get and every one of them is very unlikely in its own way and i i I had come to learn that, you know, over my 13 years living out here, that it's, those are very few and far between. Usually it's getting a phone call saying like, oh, they didn't like the script up. Oh, that actor passed on it. Oh, well, time, time to move on to the next one. Oh, this project's dead. Like, you know, so it's just like, you get used to it, that, that the good ones definitely stand out. What was the stress like waiting for the final approval that Michael Jordan has given his blessing on the film? You know, like, what can you say? I mean, it was, it doesn't get more stressful than that. I, I mean, it's just like when you lay out what that meeting kind of meant for, you know, again, I was just like, I was an unproduced screenwriter and like we had everything else ready to go on this one. And it was basically like, if Jordan gives his blessing, then like, we're going to do the movie. And obviously it was Ben and Matt. And she's like, Oh my gosh, what a, um, you want a dream scenario on this one, but just as easily, it was like, I, you know, I kind of figured what, what incentives does Jordan have to do any movie, you know, like he, he doesn't need to do anything unless he wants to. So, um, look, it's a credit to Ben that Ben was able to like, earn his trust and lay out all of what we were wanting to do with this movie and, and, you know, have Michael recognize that that's a very, like personally, I would have been scared out of my mind sitting there for that meeting, you know, <laughs> shocker, and Ben knows what he's doing, you know? So it was, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it would be hard. I'd be hard pressed to think of like a more stressful 24 <laughs> hours than, than that one when it professionally, at least. So you got to be on set during the filming of this movie, which is pretty unusual for a writer. What was your role mm -hmm. being on set? You know, look, mostly I was just there to take it all in. You know, the, the script was fairly locked by the time we got there. You know, like like Chris Tucker had already done a lot of work on his character, Howard. And, and you know, Ben and Matt had done a pass on the script. And, and a lot of that was already in place. Now, when we, you know, when we every day when we showed up, there was a little bit of invention here and there, you know, from like Bateman, like really... <laughs> bringing comedy to his scenes and like that dry sense of humor, you know, that like, it was in the script a little bit, but like he really embodied it too. You know, like, look, it, it's one thing to write the movie, but then you show up on set and it's like, well, the blocking's not quite right. And like, maybe we cut this line and move that around. And like, that's just the creation that, 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 that happens on set. Um, you know, it's not like I was sitting there like directing it or, you know, adding a bunch of input, you know, Ben, Ben obviously knows what he's doing, but um, no, it was just there, uh, uh, you know, kind of, kind of taking it all in and enjoying it and, um, you know, helping <laughs> when it was needed. I feel like Air is more a comedy than actual comedies. When I went to go see it yeah. in theaters, the entire theater was laughing throughout the entire movie. And you mentioned a little bit of, you know, Jason Bateman adding some comedy to his scenes. Was all that comedy written into the script or was it just once you had all these characters together, once you see it all unfolding, that it kind of came naturally? It was just a little more just like, oh, this is actually a funny movie. Yeah, I mean, look, so much of that is in the performance and, and all credit to the cast, you know, like a lot of the like dry sense of humor in it. Like, look, you could play that straight or you could play it humorous or you could play it somewhere in between, you know, and that it, I, what I love about the movie is like those are the type of movies I like watching, you know, like and, and I'm a big believer in, you know, not putting something in a box, you know, just like oh this is a comedy this is a drama you know it's like to me the best work i like the best dramas have moments of humor in them and the best comedy is always rooted in dramatic stakes you know so it's like the type of movies i like exist somewhere in between those two um and you know I, I certainly tried to write it that way but no without the cast we had like there's no chance it would be nearly as as funny as as the movie is you know that's been one of the real joys of um 
getting to watch it in a theater you know this was supposed to be a streaming movie and and you know all credit to amazon they they you know really took a chance on it and 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 said we're gonna you know we're gonna put it out there and um it's just been such a joy to be able to go into you know a packed theater and sit in the back and 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 just you know kind of watch people go on that ride with with, with the movie so when the movie comes out and you see that 99 percent rotten tomato score come out after that is there any whispers any text messages or emails going around like hey Maybe there's a chance for an Oscar here. Does that ever kind of come into existence or is it just something nobody else like mentions? No. no, I mean, gosh, it's just, it's just so far out. And like, there's just so many different things that can happen. It's like, look, my job is done, right? It's mm-hmm. just, it's, you write the script, you film the movie and you put it out in the world. And, you know, it's not your place to say how it should be received and who should receive it and why, and you know, what you should be awarded for it. Like that's the part of the process I have zero control over. So you know, what I've learned, you know, over my 13 years out here is like, you, you can't emotionally invest in the results, right? You have to emotionally invest in, in in the process. So it's like, as long as I am enjoying writing it and believing that the script was, you know, the best I could do at that time, then like, you know, the rest is really up to, up to which way is the wind blowing, right? And it's like, if you can't control that part of it, which I don't, then it's not worth losing sleep over, you know, because life is short. And if you have no control over it, then, then what's the point of sweating it, right? This is why I always wonder why I'm a sports fan to begin with, because <laughs> I have no control over how the Bulls are playing or how the Bears are playing, yet I somehow emotionally invest myself in, uh, in in the results of of their games. But no, that's about as far as I could go. So you're about the same age as Ben Affleck and Matt Damon when they wrote Goodwill Hunting. And this being your first, you know, credited movie, do they offer you any kind of advice of where to take your career from here next? Yeah, I mean, you know, not so not not like directly. I mean, you know, the getting soul credit on the movie and all of that and, and having, you know, Ben tell me, you know, personally about that was just a very like, surreal to be kind of part of that like lineage you know it's 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 still hard to wrap my head around but no you know something ben has said uh which i've really taken the heart you know over the last couple months here is like you know he really is a believer in in good scripts you know and that if it's not there on the page it's not going to be there on the stage as they say you know he's also talked a lot about the projects you turn down and say no to are in a way just as important if not more important than the projects you do decide to take on and say yes to and goes back a little bit to what we were talking about earlier about like really having to love a project you know and really feeling the passion for it and if it's not there then you know, you shouldn't do it. That's hard when you're young and you've been wanting yeah. to, you know, do all the projects in the world for so long. You know, it's like the gut instinct is to say yes to everything because it's like Hollywood is crazy and you just don't know, you know, how long a moment like like this can last. So, you know, take it all while you can get it. And and that's the that's kind of the gut instinct, but a hundred percent see where he's coming from, where it's like, you know, like we were talking about, you really gotta love something. You really, really have to be married to a project um to 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 want to do it and take it on did you keep anything from the set <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble but um you know the cafeteria where they uh where they steal the candy uh from in that scene where matt and and uh jason are, are working late over the weekend on the last day i was like well it would only be fitting if i also 
take something from here. Uh, so yeah, I have a, uh, I, I have a, one of those coffee mugs that, that was sitting on the shelf there. Hey, so it's like, you know, it's right. It's what they say. It's not stealing. Yeah. If, there's no uh, work in the register. You can take it. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Did you get any free Nike stuff from working on this movie? Not free, but I was, you know, like when these things happen, there's like, you get like a start gift when the movie starts and a wrap gift when the movie ends. So, uh, uh, from like, you know, multiple agents and manager, and, you know, producers and, and the whole deal. So, uh, you can imagine on this film what most of those gifts were, yeah. <laughs> uh, fittingly. But yes, those were, uh, you know, they kindly, uh, uh, you know, bought those shoes. Uh, and then, yeah, it's uh, it's been a nice part of it that I've definitely expanded my my, my Jordan <laughs> collection by a bit. Do you get a wrap gift from, from Matt or from Ben? Well, you know, like the way it works is like the whole production gets it, right? So it's like, you know, it's, you, you get like a production t-shirt that, that, you know, says casting crew. Like you can find... You can find those for almost every movie that, uh, you know, that's been made on eBay. You know, did you see Nope? You know, that Scorpion oh, yeah. King orange hoodie, orange hoodie that, that, uh, that he's wearing. That That's like, that's basically what, what like a rap gift is. So, you know, I, I love that part of Nope because it's like, it's, it's very kind of inside Hollywood. You know, I, I, uh, when I was in college, I interned on the set of Mad Men and, uh, Similar thing, you know, I got like my season five uh, t-shirt and um, on that one, we got some rap gifts like from the companies that Don Draper was pitching for. So we got like a, a Samsonite suitcase, <laughs> like a <laughs> pair of Ray-Bans, which was funny. And yeah, like a similar thing on this one. I don't know why, but I find it so refreshing that you're also just so into every new movie. Like as a writer, do you just have to stay up to date on like every movie that comes out because maybe like you want to write something like that or you want to avoid copying another movie? It's not even that. It's just, I love movies. I mean, that's it. You know, like I, I, this is how I grew up. I just going to the movie theater every single Friday and just seeing whatever was out, you know? And I miss those days. Cause it was like movie going to movies without pretense, you know, like when you're that young, you don't really have a taste yet. So it's, it's, it was, you just take everything in and dude, that's still the way I am. I mean, I just, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> My friends would tell you I'm much more pretentious now than I was when I was eight <laughs> or nine or ten or whatever. But um, no, man, there's nowhere truly. There's nowhere else I'd rather be like in the world really than 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 sitting in a dark theater and, and watching a movie. Like there's just still something about it that is, uh, you know, it's kind of it's my favorite art form, and it's just it's it's I just love the theater. You know, sadly, especially out here in LA, like we've lost my favorite ones, you know, like Arclight Hollywood gone, the landmark on Pico gone, the Vista uh, in, in Los Feliz is finally reopening. Mm -hmm. But um, it's been very painful losing those theaters, man. I, um, I like, it feels like a part of me is, is, and like a piece of the, the fabric of the community is gone. So it's, um, I actually went to the last, the, the, I don't know if you know LA at all, but the, the Pico, the landmark on Pico, mm -hmm. one of my favorite theaters, especially on the West side, um, closed down last March. And the last, I went to the last showing ever there just because I was like, I, <laughs> it's like, that's where I've seen almost more movies than anything. And it, it was when I, I saw everything everywhere all at once there. Very, um, just surreal uh, way to see that movie. Yeah, I do go to LA a lot for work. And I remember seeing Black Panther at the Arclight. So whenever that closed yeah. down, that, that felt like a piece of me went with it too. No, 100%. I mean, the Cinerama Dome, it's like, there's just, uh, there's nowhere else like it, man. It just, the great thing about the Arclight Hollywood was it, it, it just felt like a community for film lovers and people working in in Hollywood, you know, from, you know, below the line to above the line. I mean, you'd see celebrities there, but you'd also just see like other aspiring writers like like myself, um, you know, all kind of together, um, which which like there's something, you know, I'm sappy and romantic at heart. So like I'm going to 
it that way. But like there was something really special about that place. And it would feel like an event when you went to a movie there because they would have things out in the lobby yes. and it just felt like there was an yes. energy to it where sometimes you don't really get that with movies. You just go in, there's a empty bear lobby, but there it felt like something. I know that's one of the painful things now going to, you know, look, I I'll go to any movie theater truly, but you know, really being restricted now to kind of these chain theaters that don't have like the love of the, of the form and, and like the artisan nature to it. Like you're talking about, I mean, the lobby of the arc light from costumes, from movies to like, you know, I remember seeing the uh, scale model of the Grand Budapest Hotel in there, you know, and it's just like that stuff that doesn't exist in in your average chain theaters. And, you know, even like the bar, there's just nothing better than going and like, you know, having a beer before or after the movie and talking about it. And and um, yeah, that's just something really painful about losing that. Well, because it's been great talking to you. Aside from just talking about the movie Air, I just love talking about movies with you. Is there anything you can say about what you're working on now? Uh, kind of, yeah. I'm doing another, I'm working on another script uh, for, for Skydance and, and Mandalay, two of the production companies on uh, on Air. It's another sports movie. So that's really all I can say. You know, it's another true life story with real people. So I just want to respect that. And, you know, we're still kind of in the early, early uh, stages of the process here, but yeah, hopefully that'll be the next one. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm into the script and uh, you know, working on it as we speak. <laughs> well, I wish you the best of luck, man. I'm rooting for you and I hope to talk to you again. Yeah. Thanks, man. This is fun. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's get into a spoiler-free movie review now. I want to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is now the highest grossing video game adaptation of all time but it's on pace to be the highest grossing movie of 2023 there is no signs of this movie slowing down and as a kid who grew up playing the video game this movie was everything i needed it to be so before we get into this full review here's just a little bit of the super mario brothers trailer my army koopas koopas whatever those things are oh we will destroy the Mushroom Kingdom! Yeah! Bowser is coming. I'm not afraid. I'll do anything for my brother. We're going to save him. 
So if you are like me and grew up playing Super Mario Brothers, this movie is going to be a trip down memory lane for you. And I think that is the reason this movie is working so well and resonating so much with audiences. The trouble you always have when going into a video game adaptation is how are you going to incorporate those things from the video game that we all know and love? without it feeling cheesy. Now, this is one of the first ones I can think of that has done it so perfectly because it's animated. So what you are seeing on the screen is exactly familiar with what you experience playing this video game. You get the characters looking exactly like they did in the video game. You get a lot of that same level design, so it all feels familiar. The only difference is now we are hearing actual actors voice our characters that we really haven't heard say more than a few words at a time. And after watching this movie, I have to say, I think Chris Pratt deserves an apology from the internet. Everybody's saying that he was gonna ruin the Mario character. He didn't do that at all. We needed somebody like Chris Pratt to voice Mario to be able to really make him feel human and not just a bunch of catchphrases. And I think Chris Pratt did a really good job at that. A lot of standout performances in this cast from Anya Taylor-Joy as Peach, Charlie Day as Luigi, which he just sounds like a cartoon character and it's always suddenly in Philadelphia, so that was a really easy casting for him. Then you have Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, but the one who crushed this movie, and I would say carried the entire movie on his back because he was so good at getting into his character, was hands down Jack Black as Bowser. Jack Black is so great at his comedic timing and he is oftentimes a very physical actor, and I felt like he put all of that into voicing Bowser. I feel like this character took a bit of toll on his voice to make it more gravelly sounding. I know they did add some special effects on his voice to make him sound a little bit more gruff than he normally is, but that combined with his singing ability and just overall comedic nature, I thought Bowser was the best thing in this movie. I love how the entire movie works through different levels of different Super Mario games. Right from the very beginning, when you're doing that side-scroll opening scene, it goes into that classic-looking Super Mario side-scroll game. I thought that was perfect, and as soon as I saw that, I knew I was in for a good time here. And as an adult, I was watching for all the little Easter eggs that you would really only know if you grew up playing Nintendo. So everything from Mario in the opening scene of playing Kid Icarus on his own Nintendo, that was like some Nintendo inception. And I love the subtle use of different Super Mario scores and themes throughout the entire movie. Just hearing that sparks some nostalgia for me. So I love how they use that subtly with as iconic as the Super Mario theme is, I love the way they used it, and I love the way they use all different elements from all different games. The one thing they showed that I wish there would have been more of, but I completely get it, is they kind of teased us with some Yoshi in there. There's one scene where you see a big group, a herd of Yoshi running across the screen, and you just get a small little glimpse at them. I'm sure they're setting that up for a sequel. And speaking of that, I often feel that sometimes movies don't give you everything in the first one because they want to, you know, make you come back for the second one. I feel like that wasn't the case with the Super Mario Brothers movie. Maybe since the first live action one didn't work that well and they haven't made one since, they were very careful of what they put in and they also wanted to make sure that all different types of fans would be satisfied after watching this movie. So they kind of threw it all in there. So visually, this movie was perfect. I thought the voice acting was great. Where this movie lacked for me, I think it's because I'm an adult now, and the story felt very watered down and very basic. So 
I think the intention with that is because they wanted this movie to resonate not only with kids, but also with adults, but also they needed it to appeal to a worldwide audience, which this movie is not only crushing it in the United States, but crushing it everywhere in the world because Mario is worldwide. So I feel for that reason, the storyline was very basic and I wanted something a little bit more to chew on. It was a very quick origin story of why Mario and Luigi started a plumbing business and then very quickly get sucked into the Mushroom Kingdom. Mario and Luigi get separated in the beginning, so Mario makes it his mission to save his brother before Bowser gets to him and probably kills him, so he does that with the help of Princess Peach. I did enjoy the role reversal here because Princess Peach was awesome, and she's not the one who needed saving. It was Luigi, so... Princess Peach in this movie was the one who was the most knowledgeable, the one who was the strongest and had been in the Mushroom Kingdom the longest. So she was the one teaching the ropes to Mario and it's his rise to being the hero in this movie. But I still think above him is Princess Peach. So I think that's a great message for any kid watching and maybe is so used to just seeing that normal thing of the guy being the hero. That is not the case with this movie. Although, oddly enough, I did find this movie to be kind of dark for a kid's movie. There is one character in particular that is infatuated with death, which I found funny just on a comedic level, but it was a little bit darker than I was expecting for a kid's movie. And I guess I just wasn't expecting a kid's movie to go there also with Bowser wanting to kill Mario, kill Luigi, and kill all these other people. A lot of death around this movie, so... I guess I was expecting it to be completely bubblegum and kid-friendly. And then even with the message in this movie, it is Mario trying to prove himself and also trying to get the approval of his dad, who kind of thinks he's a loser. And it shows you that he has to go through such extremes to prove to his dad that he is not just some worthless dude who hasn't done much with his life. That was also an interesting plot line to explore in a kid's movie. It's just a guy named Mario trying to get approval from his dad. And then you also have Bowser's character trying to force upon a marriage on Princess Peach. So you have a lot of death, issues with dad, and a forced marriage proposal. I have to say, not what I was expecting in this movie. So what I take away from it is that your parents are never going to be satisfied with you unless you save an entire city, an entire world. And then finally, they'll say, hey, good job. So after watching this movie, I now think that every video game adaptation should be animated. Before this one, I would say the Sonic franchise is my favorite video game adaptation, which is more a live action franchise. Those movies are just a lot of fun to me. I like Jim Carrey, and I feel like they got the character of Sonic down in those movies. But I don't completely put that one on this same level. I did have fun watching Mortal Kombat. I think if they make some changes going into the sequel to that, that one could be a pretty solid franchise as well. Uncharted was fun, but pretty forgettable. And the other one I would probably compare this one to would be Detective Pikachu. But the problem with Detective Pikachu is I think as Pokemon fans, that's not entirely the movie we wanted. We wanted just straight up Pokemon trainer, Pokemon battles, and that one feels kind of adjacent to that story. While it is in the world, it doesn't really deliver like this Super Mario Brothers movie delivered because it is exactly like the video game. So I think what this movie opens up is definitely more movies in the Super Mario franchise. They'll make a two, they'll make a three. I'm curious to see how, since because they incorporated 
different games in this movie like Mario Kart and Super Smash Bros. If they just explore that a little bit more or they go into maybe some of the other games, I think there is a lot to work with here. I think the Nintendo movies that I would like to see after watching this one, Easy Call would be a Donkey Kong solo movie because Seth Rogen is so great in this one. And just that entire world of Donkey Kong Country, I think would be a fun one to explore. That one could even go more into the comedy space. Another movie I would like to see would be a Legend of Zelda movie. That one would be a tricky one to make because I think that world kind of teeters on that line of it could be great, but it could also just as easily be a bomb if you don't cast it right, if you don't have the most entertaining story when it comes to Zelda. But I think visually that would be a stunning one to make, especially just seeing what they can do with the world of Super Mario. I felt like a lot of the costume and character design felt very real to me. I liked seeing the texture of denim on Mario, the attention to detail on the hat and the face. I would love to see that in a Zelda movie. I think the coolest thing ever, and we got a little taste of it in this movie, would be a Super Smash Brothers movie. I think you make that the same way you make a Marvel Avengers movie. You have your Donkey Kong, maybe your Luigi's Mansion, maybe your Yoshi story, maybe a little Metroid, a little Star Fox, so many of those original Nintendo movies. You have your solo films and they all build into a Super Smash Brothers movie. There's just so many stories you can explore and there is so much money to be made off of Nintendo. So I'm glad this one was a big success. I also think this one is doing so well because it's right at 90 minutes before you get a chance to even get tired of it. It's already over. It didn't feel like I needed more. Didn't feel like I needed any less. So 90 minutes animated movie is the sweet spot for the Super Mario Brothers movie. Whew. See, this is tough. Because as much as I enjoyed all of the visual elements, I did find myself not spacing out, but finding that it was hard for me to grasp onto a real story here. But I would still go four out of five mushrooms. I think that is top level for a movie that both appeases adults and kids. But I think there is a lot more advances they can do story-wise. But now that the world is built, the stage is set, I think Super Mario Brothers movie part two will be in that 4.5, maybe even a five-point range. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. 
So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. I keep getting more and more excited for this movie, my highest anticipated movie of 2023. I'm talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and I've been sitting with this trailer for a couple weeks now, itching to talk about it, because it looks like they took this movie to an 11. Now, the first one cost $90 million to make, which is a lot for an animated movie, but this one is nearing about $150 million. And just by the look of this trailer, it looks a little bit more refined. It looks like what they already did with the original one with creating such a unique animation style, which is what makes this movie so fun to watch. It's all the little details they add in there that makes it look like a live action, living and breathing comic book. And that is why I enjoy this franchise so much and why I think this is the franchise that is going to change the way people think about animation and also in a world where we're getting a little bit oversaturated with superhero movies this is kind of what they need to do to evolve create these different worlds to keep it fresh nobody really questions another Into the Spider-Verse movie because it's so different on a mainstream scale there's really not anybody else doing a movie like this so I don't see anybody complaining that is great for me. So before I get into my full thoughts, here's just a short little clip of it. What's a guy got to do to join this spider team? You can never be part of this. Come on, go easy on the kid. He had a terrible teacher. Peter. Miles. Mayday. You have a baby? I have a baby. <laughs> Can't stop me now. Everyone keeps telling me how my story is supposed to go. Nah. I'm going to do my own thing. So what was so exciting to me about the first one is it felt while watching that movie that they had no rules going into it. It could be anything it wanted to be. And it was a love letter to all the people who grew up with Spider-Man, who grew up with the cartoon, playing the video game, reading the comic books. And it took all of those elements and put it into this movie. And there were no rules. And then also Into the Spider-Verse gave us all these different variations of Spider-Man. And now on this movie, they are taking it to an entirely different level by creating a cast of hundreds of Spider-Man. So this was really the first movie when it came out back in 2018 to dig into the multiverse first. And now everybody's doing it, but I think they do it the best because it's just fun to see all these different kind of Spider-Man that exist in all these different universes. So in this trailer, you see all these different Spider-Man. You have Oscar Isaac, who plays Miguel O'Hara. He is leading a group who is trying to protect the multiverse. And Miguel O'Hara kind of has this Thanos things going on of he is fine with sacrificing some of them for the greater good. But Miles Morales doesn't see it that way and he wants to protect everyone. You also have some new characters voiced by Essa Ray as Spider-Woman and Daniel Kaluuya as Spider-Punk, who is probably the one I'm the most excited to see. The movie is coming out on June 2nd. So I feel like in this movie, we are going to get what is known as the classic Spider-Man dilemma. The one that Tom Holland, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield have all had to face of that struggle of wanting to be Spider-Man and also wanting to be the person underneath the mask and wanting at the end of the day to always help everybody out and be the good guy. Where this movie seems to take a different turn 
is that Miles Morales is struggling with not wanting to end up like every other Spider-Man. He wants to create his own journey. And you have all these people in this movie telling you, this is your fate. This is what's going to happen. You can't really change and alter your destiny because we've all experienced this. We've all experienced loss. We've all experienced the same struggle you're going through. We know exactly what you're going to do. But you hear Miles Morales in that trailer say, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. And delivering that with such confidence, you feel Miles Morales really coming into his own in this movie, which in the first one, he was really trying to figure out how to be Spider-Man. He was just some kid who just had these powers and was trying his best to just navigate them and save the world. But he really wasn't that strong in that movie, even in that final scene where he still struggles to defeat the villain. But you get a sense of him really maturing So I feel like this movie will follow his journey and wanting to change the course that everybody tells him he is on and him wanting to escape the inevitable. Inside that trailer, there's also an Uncle Ben reference, which we all know the story by now. I feel like in superhero movies, we overtell their origin story so much, but that is what Spider-Man has always had to deal with, whether it be the death of Uncle Ben, the death of Gwen Stacy, It is dealing with that loss and coming back from that kind of like a changed person because whenever Spider-Man experiences a loss, it alters their chemical makeup. It changes what they are fighting for. It changes their decision on whether they want to continue being Spider-Man or they want to just go back to being that same regular human. So by the looks of this trailer, even though it's not giving us a whole lot, I feel like that is what we are going to see. It's usually what we get in the part two of a Spider-Man movie. They have to deal with some kind of loss. They have to deal with something that's really going to tighten the screws on our character, create some tension. Will Miles lose his dad, Jefferson Davis? Will he lose his mom, Rio Morales, or maybe Gwen Stacy? Or will he be the first to change history and be able to save the loved one that always gets lost in every Spider-Man movie? I would like to see that. And what I would also hope that they do with this one is avoid the love story, which they hinted at it a little bit more in the initial teaser trailer. But I didn't really get that vibe in the first one that there was going to be a romantic relationship sparked between Miles and Gwen. I feel like it's a lot different because her character has the Spider-Man abilities and she is fighting alongside them. So I hope they just continue that relationship of wanting to save the world together. I think it's the better storyline. The most frustrating thing to me about Spider-Man is that all the movies are owned by different entities, whether it be Sony or Disney. And I did see that they just added on Disney Plus the original Spider-Man trilogy and the first Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man movie. And then they are going to add homecoming i believe next month in may but there's just not one place where you can watch all these movies and i was hoping that they would add into the spider-verse on disney plus because it would just make it so much easier and i feel like if this movie was a little bit more accessible more people who haven't seen it would be able to watch it but there's not a home for this one So I hate that the solution would be for Sony to have its own streaming service because I'm not ready to add another streaming service to my arsenal. I just wish that they would all be available on Disney+. Plus. I just need one place where I can get every single Spider-Man movie and watch them all when I want to. Is that too much to ask? I think it's probably too much to ask. But again, Across the Spider-Verse is coming out on June 2nd, 2023. Will probably be my favorite movie of the summer. If not, easily enter the top five of the year and then beyond the spider-verse which will be part three in this series will come out next year on march 29th 2024 it is a great time to be a spider-man fan 
And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. But before I go, I got to give my listeners shout out. And before I even get into that, I have to let you know that we went viral. Last week, if you missed it, I had the Broken Lizard guys, a.k.a. the guys behind Super Troopers, on the podcast. And I posted a clip of that interview on my TikTok where they talked about how they chugged actual bottles of maple syrup in that movie, Super Troopers. I drank two and a half, and I made him drink three and a half because I'm like, you don't have it yet. (laughs) Afterwards, we laid down in the dark in my trailer and just shook. And then when I got back to the uh, hotel, I saw him coming out. He goes, have you pooped yet? And I'm like, no. He goes, report back to me after you're Wait for it. And he goes, there's a reason it's part, maple syrup's part of the, of the master cleanse. So I posted that clip on TikTok, didn't expect anything of it, posted it one morning and checked back on it later in the afternoon, and it had a quarter of a million views. I went to bed that night. It was probably sitting around 750K. Woke up the next morning. It had crossed that 1 million mark. And at the time of recording this right now, we're at 1.5 million views on that clip, which is amazing. The first time I've experienced going viral on a clip, and I'm glad that the name of the podcast is right there on the clip. So maybe you listening to this now are new because you discovered that clip on TikTok and decided to check out the podcast. So welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the movie crew. On every single episode, I like to shout out a listener who just comments on my page, sends me a DM or emails me moviemikeD at gmail.com. Since there was an interview last week, I always give a secret emoji and it was the lizard. So I went through all the comments and picked one at random. And this week's listener shout out of the week is Amanda Meyer. And Amanda wrote, favorite interview so far. I love the Broken Lizard guys. I've been a huge fan of them since Super Troopers. Still waiting for my sequel of Beer Fest, aka Weed Fest. That was teased at the end of the movie so many years ago. But I love listening to them talk about their process and how many movie projects they have in the works that haven't seen the big screen yet. They can do no wrong. So thank you, Amanda. I did see them talking about that Beer Fest sequel. Apparently Warner Brothers owns the rights to it. So could possibly see the light of day down the line. But they are working on Super Troopers 3. Again, if you missed that interview, go back one episode here on the feed. And this week, since we had another interview, time for another secret emoji. If you enjoyed the Alex Convery interview, talking about air, comment on my page with the basketball emoji. And I'll pick one of those comments to be next week's listener shout out. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go out and watch good movies. And I will talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, 
You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 